All right. We're going to start in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. So if you have your Bible or your tablet or phone, we're going to go right there. Uh, we're in part three of the three falls. And uh, in part one, we kind of discussed the fall of Lucifer. We discussed the fall of Adam. In part two, we discussed the fall of Israel. And we kind of, this is a, a continuation of that. So if, if you're joining online via the podcast, YouTube, Facebook, uh, I strongly encourage you to go back and you watch those first two videos because they kind of lay the framework for where we're at right now. And we're kind of building upon that. In tonight's study, we're going to kind of dive into Paul's explanation, really, of the fall of Israel. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about Peter uh, as he refers to Paul's epistles as they're hard to be understood. And we're going to kind of unpack that tonight. And so we're in Romans chapter 9, and we'll read the first six verses, and we'll just kind of dive right in. So Romans chapter 9. Now, this is important uh, before I jump in. Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 is essentially, I, I strongly encourage you just take some time in your own study, read those three chapters straight through. And uh, we'll dive a little bit more into it, but it's basically Paul explaining what is going on, and this is early in his ministry, what's happening, because something is shifting. God is doing something new. There's this revelation of the mystery of Christ that's being revealed to Paul, the chosen vessel uh, that God deemed this is my guy, that I'm going to reveal all this truth to him. So, do that. So in Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 6, Paul writes to the church at Rome, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. I find that fascinating that Paul literally, being inspired by God, has to write, I lie not. Think about that. All right, Three times he says it in his epistles. Why does he have to say that? Because the stuff that he's saying, this is, this is mystery. The prophets never talked about this kind of stuff that he's going to address. Okay, uh, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and promises, whose are the fathers of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. So Paul kind of starts off saying, look, he's got this burden. He desired so badly for his kinsmen. He wanted them to be saved so bad that he almost wished to the point that he was cut off from Christ. That he almost wasn't saved just so his countrymen could be saved. That's the depth of how much love he had for his own kinsmen. And he explains why. He tells tells you in verse 4, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. We have a Jewish book here, ladies and gentlemen. All of this book, the 66 books, it's a Jewish book. Every single one of the authors, written by a Jew, okay? No Jews here, and there's probably the Jews that are tuning in online. I bet there's slim to none that would be listening to this message. Because they don't 
have any, they don't want any part to do with Christians today. They don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, and, and so it's, it's interesting, you know, that to think this is a Jewish book, I think that's why people kind of have a lot of struggles with it. They don't understand it. I mean, really, who here knows the law of Moses, the 613 laws, like the back of their hand? No, it, you, you don't. Who, who here reads Leviticus and says, oh, I know exactly what's going on there? Nobody, right? I remember watching a movie, uh, can, can, I Can Only Imagine. Have you guys seen that movie about the song? And uh, the dad's, you know, he was a, a, a drunk and... You know, he slowly starts getting into the Bible, and the son comes back one time, and then the dad's sitting there trying to have conversation with the guy and says, Hey, you know, I got a question. Leviticus, what's that all about? I mean, that's a beautiful example, a picture of what it's like for people when they kind of dive in, and if they don't have a guide, they start reading the Old Testament. They're like, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense. So, Let's keep reading. Let's, let's jump to Romans 10, chapter 1. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse, we'll read the first three verses. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So what Paul's talking about is he's talking about the righteousness of God that comes through the faith of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came in the flesh as a Jew, and He became sin for us. He fulfilled the law. That's where the righteousness comes from, and it's imparted unto us. And so what he's saying here in these, these couple verses is that Israel, they have a zeal of God, but it's not according to knowledge. They're trying to establish their own righteousness in the law. That's why they were struggling. That's what you're seeing right here in these verses. And that's why when Paul is going into the synagogues, those Jews that believed, they actually saw the Scriptures. They believed what Paul was saying, because he backed it up. But those that didn't believe it, they didn't want anything to be a part of it. They wanted to literally stone and kill him. Because now he's saying, look, you could be justified from the law of Moses through Jesus Christ. They're like, no. No, we have the law. We have the law of Moses. We know what makes us righteous. Okay, so that's why you, you see all those troubles that you read in Paul's ministry, especially just read Acts. Look at him. He goes in the synagogue and then he gets chased out. Because they had their own righteousness that they thought was coming from the law and not realizing that Christ came and became their righteousness. Uh, Let's jump to verse 19. But I say, did not Israel know? First, Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. So, the Lord speaking through Moses, talking about a time where God was going to provoke the nation Israel to jealousy by people that are not His people, and also by a foolish nation. And that foolish nation was the little flock. Remember? Not all of Israel is Israel. The little flock 
was that small righteous nation that's considered a foolish nation here. Let's keep reading. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So Paul is now kind of bringing to remembrance all these things that happened in nation, the, the, the nation history, the nation of Israel's history. Remember, he had the gainsaying people with Moses. What did they do when he went up to go get the law? They made and cast their own idols and worshipped them. And they fought tooth and nail with Moses. And remember in part two, he went through those times where they rejected God to be Lord over them. They rejected their king when he came in the flesh. And they rejected the Holy Ghost at the stoning of Stephen. So all day long, I've stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. And then, Paul, this is kind of the capstone of what happened to Israel. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We'll start in verse 11 through 15. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Talking about Israel. God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the, dimini the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I'm a I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify in mine office. So Paul's magnifying his office, not himself, which is the apostle of the Gentiles. Verse 14, If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? So Paul talks about the fall of Israel. He talks about the diminishing of them in verse 12. And he talks about the casting away in verse 15. So we see in the book of Acts, the fall, the diminish, and the casting away. Remember when I was kind of laying out this timeline? This bottom line right here is just Gentiles. Just the uncircumcision. These are people that are cut off if they are not circumcised from the nation Israel and from God. You had to go through the nation Israel over here in the Old Testament if you wanted to be a part of what God was doing. And then when that nation became with Moses, that Israel, the 12 tribes, they went into the land, God was dealing with these people all the way up until Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are Jewish books. And you read about a Jewish man in a Jewish land dealing with Jewish people. And you see in the book of Acts, they wanted nothing to do with them. And then you see that fall diminish in the casting away, which leads us to where we're at today. That's why when Paul says, have they, have they stumbled that they should fall, God forbid, but rather through their, salvation, their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. What you need to understand, hold this, let's go to Acts 28. This is the book, just go to the left, one book. Acts 28, the very end of the book of Acts, leads us to where we are today. Uh, we'll jump in in Acts 28. We'll go to verse 25. So Paul, I'm going to 
get us caught up to speed real quick. He's reasoning with the chief Jews. All right, this is the very end of his ministry recorded in this book. And as another side note, you need to understand from Acts 13 through Acts 28, Paul wrote these 13 books. Okay, that's important for you to understand. Uh, now, in Acts 28, verse 25, and when they agreed not among themselves, talking about the chief of the Jews, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers. And Paul's going to quote the prophet Isaiah, verse 26, saying, Go unto this people, Israel, and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and ye shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and, I should be, and they should be converted, and I should heal them. Verse 28, Be it known therefore unto you that salvation of God is sent to the, unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when, the, when, they had, when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two, two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. So right there, the salvation of God is sent to the Gentiles. It's not no longer, you know, I'm going to keep going to you. No, it, it, it's done. He's done going to the Jews. Now the salvation of God is sent to the Gentiles. That's what happened. And that's where we are today. Is God isn't dealing with the nation Israel. He's dealing with all nations. He's dealing with everybody. And we're going to kind of see and unpack some more of that. So the, the problem that you see today is people are taking... They're fundamentally not doing one thing. They're fundamentally not doing 2 Timothy 2.15, which is, Study the show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what are they doing? They're not rightly dividing the word of truth, so what are they doing? They're taking all of the Bible, and even Paul's letters, epistles here, and they're jumbling it all together. And so what happens is people now begin to think that when they're reading over here in the Old Testament Scriptures, when they're reading those 39 books, and when they get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they think God is speaking to them there. And so they now begin to think that they're this nation Israel, and that they think that they're going to get all these promises and inheritance that God spoke to the nation Israel. Now that creates a big problem. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you really want to be Israel if you really want to, to claim their inheritance and their promises, well then, you might as well pack your bags and move out to that piece of land there in the Middle East. And I'm willing to put money that there's not a lot of people that really want to do that right now. Because all you got to do is turn on the news and see what's happening over there. It's bloody. It's bloody. It's dangerous. And I tell you what, if I'm looking at Israel right now, if we are truly living in what people are saying, the kingdom of God here and now, then we would see Jesus Christ sitting as king over the nation Israel right now. And that's not what we're seeing. That's not at all what we're seeing. So, 
That, I, I mean, that's, it, it, it's the problem that you'll find, and the, the, the term that you'll see is covenant theology. Okay, that's, that is basically the doctrine that we are Israel. Everybody's part of it. And uh, there's, there's an error there. There's an error in the Scriptures. It's possible to err, and people can fight this tooth and nail, but even Jesus Christ and His ministry called out the religious leaders when they were in error. And what did those religious leaders do? They put them on a cross. The truth can be offensive. People sometimes don't want to hear it. So you know, the problem that you'll see in a lot of people when you get into this rightly divine the word of truth is you'll get to this topic of Israel, right? And us not being him. And then they'll say, oh, we've been grafted in. Right? We've been grafted in. Let's, let's take a look at that. In uh, Romans chapter 11. Where am I looking? Verse. Uh, we just read verse 15. Let's jump to 16. For if the first fruit be holy, and the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root, and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou would say, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. So, you get someone, they're in a conversation. I've had multiple times. See, we've been grafted in. We've been grafted into Israel. That's why they'll now defend this covenant theology. I'm like, well, you've got to keep reading. You've got to keep reading. So let's keep reading. Let's jump to verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes, for the gifts and calling of God are without uh, repentance. So you read right there, Paul's referencing the covenant that God has with the nation Israel. And he's saying, hey, there's still going to come a time when he takes away their sins. But then he tells you in verse 28, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. What gospel is he talking about there? He's talking about the gospel of Christ, not the gospel of the kingdom. There is a difference there. That's why you've got to rightly divide the word of truth. You know, Peter acknowledges this. Let's hold this. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 16. Now, 
I, I strongly encourage you to look at Second Peter chapter three because what happens is essentially the the all right the little flock, the Jews that were saved under Peter's gospel, they are now questioning. Well, why 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 hasn't the kingdom of God come? Why hasn't God restored the kingdom of Israel? Because that's what they're looking for. That's what all this is about. They're looking for the kingdom to be restored to them because God had scattered them, and He promised, "I'm going to bring you back into the land, and you'll have that." land with a kingdom and a king to be in that land forever. And Peter has to explain, actually I'm paraphrasing, God is doing something through our brother Paul. And his epistles are hard to be understood. Let's just read it. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, verse 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. So Peter acknowledges Paul's epistles, all of them. And he says, look, they're hard to be understood. And why are they hard to be understood? Well, I told you, this is a Jewish book. All right, this is a loaded Jewish book. I'm going to tell you that there's things in Paul's epistles that are really hard to understand. I'm telling you, when you read Romans, and you read First and Second Corinthians, and you read Galatians, and you read First and Second Thessalonians, there's some things in there that are very Jewish and very hard to be understood unless you really know all of the Old Testament Scriptures. Because Paul is constantly referencing them in those books. Why? If we're going to take the book of Acts, all right, here's the book of Acts. You got one, you got 28. Paul doesn't even come on the scene until 9. That's where he gets saved. And then he takes a break. Acts 13 is where Paul now begins his ministry, and it's all Paul for the rest of the book. And from Acts 13 to Acts 20... All he's doing is he's going into the synagogues right here. Who's in the synagogues? Jews. And also in the synagogues, there was the outer courts where the Gentiles could come. Okay, These are Gentiles that acknowledge that the Lord God was the God of Israel. All right, So he was going into these synagogues and he was reasoning out of the Old Testament scriptures, all of here, that Jesus was the Christ and that he was who he said he was. So then when you get to Acts 20... Paul, now the Holy Ghost tells him, look, you're going to go to Jerusalem now and you're going to be bound and there's going to be affliction. So he goes into prison. So he's no longer doing his ministry. And the thing that you need to understand is that from this period, that's over 30 years. You know, you can read uh, uh, just Acts, uh, Acts chapter, from Acts 9 to 13, that alone, that's 17 years. Because three years he was in the desert when he got saved in Arabia. And then you read Galatians, it says after 14, above 14 years, he finally went to Jerusalem to reason with the, the brethren, Peter, Cephas, uh, James, and John. And in Acts 15, he, he goes there, communicates the gospel that was given to him, they acknowledged the grace of God that was given to them and said, okay, we see the grace that, that God is doing with you. You 
continue your ministry. And I encourage you, and I know I'm saying a lot, and you, you know, those who are tuning in line, you're going to have to do Acts 17.11. You're going to have to write down some things and go search these scriptures out to see whether they're so or not. Anyways, tells them, look, you should observe these certain things. Abstain from fornication, things strangled from blood, all these things. Why? It'll be good because you're going to be going to Jews and Gentiles that know the commandments of God and in order to not make them stumble, in order to allow them to hear this message, those weaker brothers, it'll be good. So that's what he does. That's why you read in Romans, just look at Romans chapter 2. It tells you he's talking to a Jew. Thou that thinkest thou a Jew are going to escape from the judgment of God. We read in Acts, uh, Romans chapter 11, then he switches and says, I'm speaking to you Gentiles. That's why it's so important to understand context. Those books, he's de- mainly dealing with those Jews. And you've got to understand that. Salvation was to the Jew first and then to the Greek here. But when you get to the prison epistles, something happens. Something's different. And you get to these two books, Ephesians and Colossians. Two of my favorite books. Man, because those are like the pinnacle of the revelation of the mystery. Those are where you find the unsearchable riches of Christ. Meaning, you can't find these things in the Old Testament. You can't find them anywhere. Because they were hid in God. So Paul's epistles are hard to be understood because when you consider the context of what's going on in all those books and how they overlay into the book of Acts... There's things that were he was doing at different times. And let me just kind of share two verses. Let's grab 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in one hand. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in one hand. And Colossians 2 in the other. 1 Corinthians 11 and Colossians 2. First Corinthians 11, notice in verse, we'll start in one. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. Okay? This is Paul speaking, keeping the ordinances. What are those ordinances that he's referring to? Go read Acts chapter 15. I'm not going to go there and, and bother with it. But I want you to see something. Because this is really interesting. Now go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I had it and then I let go of it. Verse 14. Well, verse 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Well, hold on. Wait a second. I just read here in 1 Corinthians 11 that Paul told them to keep the ordinances. And then I get to Colossians, and it says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. This is, this, this is the same guy, guys. Paul, talking about rightly dividing the word of truth. Do you think there's some differences here? Well, what do we know about the Corinthians? You go to the Corinthians, you go and you read in Acts, They were Jews, and there were Gentiles there that went to the synagogue. So technically, they were part of, quote-unquote, the circumcision. They knew that 
God was the God of Israel up until that point. But then when you get to Colossians, Paul never met them. He only heard of their faith. And in verse 13, they were uncircumcised. They knew nothing. They had no part of understanding all of the, the covenants and the promises and the commonwealth of Israel, all those things. And Paul's telling them that those handwriting ordinances have been blotted out. God was done dealing. We got the full revelation of the mystery. It wasn't, boom, the blotting, the blotting handwriting. No. In the early ministry, when he was going into the synagogues, they had to keep these ordinances. And then finally, when God was done with Israel, and we get the full revelation of what Christ did on the cross, nailing it, nailing those handwriting... The, the, what, is, what did it say? Let's read. Blotting out the handwriting ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us. So it, it was working against us, and, and it was working. we were contrary to it. Nobody's keeping it. It's been nailed to the cross. So that's why it's so important that you... And it's interesting, because Paul basically warns them, beware. Beware of men that are going to come now behind me and now try and put these laws and ordinances on you to try and get you to keep it. Because it, it appears, logically, you think so. And that's really what you see today, is it not, amongst all these churches? They take these things over here and say, oh, now you've got to keep this. Now you've got to keep that. If, hey, if, you want, if you want God to bless you, you've got to do these things. Oh, man, you're, you're experiencing some trouble right now? What did you do? You probably sinned. Is that not what you see a lot of people do with that? It's very twisted. And if you're not grounded in the Word, you're going to believe anything. You're going to be hoodwinked and bewitched to believe anything that you hear, anyone that's coming in the name of Jesus. But we know better, right? We know that we need to receive the Word with all readiness of mind and search the Scriptures daily whether those things are so. Not only are they so, but is it the Word of God that's rightly divided for what God is doing today? You've got to get in the book. Man, I'm nowhere near where I wanted to be. And I have no idea... Uh, the time, let's, let's go, seven. we're seven. All right, let's, man, all right. We're going to read, let's end with Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Joe, I know, just preached this this weekend and we were just talking about it because it's an amazing thing. The thing you need to understand why Paul's epistles are so hard to be understood is because they're a mystery, meaning they're hid, they were kept secret. Before the foundation of the world, hitting God. So let's read Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll pick up here next time. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given unto me to you, word. The dispensation of the grace of God. That's where we are today. And grace of God. Dispensation of the grace of God. That's what DGG means. I'm not going to write the whole thing. Let's keep reading. How that by revelation he made known unto me, Paul, the mystery, as I wrote it for in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Are you seeing a theme here? The word mystery. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles... This is the mystery right here. Yeah, I'm going to read it. That the Gentiles should be fellow ears and of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. 
not through Israel, by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power unto me, whom am least than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who has created all things by Jesus Christ. And we'll end with Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Man, I just like, I hate that I got to stop right now because I just want to kind of build upon this right here. Do you realize what we are, what we have today? Do you realize that the, the God of Israel in time past that used to dwell in the temple is now dwelling inside the Gentiles? You and me. God's Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ, those who are saved, those who have trusted in Christ, the death, burial, resurrection for their sins, have the Holy God living inside them. That's amazing. And that's a, 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 a mystery. One of them. One of 11 or 12 or 13. There's a lot of mysteries in Paul's epistles. So, what have we discussed? We, we discussed how Paul kind of explained tonight the falling away, the diminishing, the casting away of Israel. And we talked about how his epistle is really hard to be understood. Why? Because there's, there's this transition period. There's no other way I can put it. He was, God was still dealing with the respective persons. But then when we get to the fullness of the mystery revealed, and God, God finally set Israel aside, they're I said we're going to end. We're going to end with we're going to end with this. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. In other words, God isn't dealing with Jews, he isn't dealing with Gentiles. It's just People, everyone, doesn't matter what color, what race, those who have trusted in Christ, God has no respect of persons. He did have respect of persons in time past. He will have respect of persons in the ages to come. But today, God isn't dealing with a nation, He's dealing with individuals. And thank God for that. That is an amazing blessing that we have in Christ Jesus. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much uh, for the truth there is in it and, and that it can build us up and edify us to do the work of the ministry. And God, we thank you for that amazing gift that we have in Christ Jesus that you are now dwelling in people today, those who have trusted in you. And that is such an amazing gift that we don't even realize or even uh, comprehend sometimes. It's easy to forget. God, we pray for those who are tuning in line that they put their trust in you, trusting 
that, that you died for their sins and was buried and rose again the third day for their justification and that they have the forgiveness of sins in the blood, your blood that you shed on the cross at Calvary. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Pray for those who would not be able to be here. Pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you.